whatever you're doing to grow, like there is the the give and take, push and pull, and like you will you'll go through those growing pains. It's a necessary part of the process and getting uncomfortable with um, taking big risks, right? To mm. get to that next level. Growth is painful. Change is painful, but it's for a purpose. Welcome back to another episode of the Rough Cut Club. I am your host, Joey Nicotra, here with my wonderful co-host, Mr. Shane Reitzammer. Shane, how you doing, brother? Good, man. Glad to uh, be in the studio making another podcast with my bro. Man, just gratitude right now that we are as far into this thing as we are. And once a dream and an idea and a concept, and now we are here helping people uh, advance in their film careers and guide them on their journey, which is, you know, what we're here to do even more specifically today is talk about advancing in your film career. And even with all the hot topics, we haven't physically gotten a fight. We haven't burned down the studio and no one has died. So it's been, it's been pretty good. Knocking on wood right now. (laughs) Did I just jinx this episode? Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, Awesome, man. Well, uh, one of the things for those who are listening that we want to really kind of dive deep into today is advancing in your career and climbing that ladder. Um, There's a lot of different like things that that means from just like a skill standpoint, from a job standpoint, from a rate standpoint. And we kind of want to jump into a lot of different like specifics um, in terms of how you can begin to advance in your career and climb to that next step. And I would say too, with all humility, uh, you know, I, I don't think we've ever or you we haven't arrived you, you never I mean? arrive you've never arrived it's it's about the journey so i think you know we have some valuable lessons hopefully that in ideas and opinions yeah um and but there's just so much out there right and it depends what industry uh within the film industry that you're a part of but hopefully we can drop a couple of right. nuggets that maybe light a light bulb goes on and helps someone uh increase uh either yeah. their rate or their skill or even their career direction yeah. as they advance in the film industry. Yeah. Well, I think one of the fun hot topics to jump into right off the bat is the money side, right? So let's jump into like- Show the me rate. the money. Show me the money, baby. Uh, let's jump into the the rate conversation. In your opinion, what are some ways that filmmakers can increase the amount of money that they make as they navigate their career? So as a producer, when I'm hiring for a project, I think uh, what I look at in in the traditional like film space world is like current market rate right what is the going rate for a dp what is the going rate but that's so it's so relative right so you know it's like well on this project you know they got paid 1500 right. for the day and on this it's 800 you know because there's different types of film projects from a corporate to a wedding to a narrative um, but I would say two things that always come into play is portfolio experience, yep. right? Like show me your work, show me uh, what you did on that, show me how many uh, projects you've worked on and who you've worked with, because um, I kind of need to know you as a person as well. Do you do you play nice with a lot of people, or yeah. is it always are you always working with this one person? How are you going to play not play with us? Right. So uh, and then gear, right? And you know, and something is that's a whole other debate. Is your kit included? And right. I think we dive into this. This is an interesting because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think neither way is wrong. Um, but there's an interesting perspective when dealing with a producer, or if you are that freelance production company, 
a solo operator or even a, yeah. a small company and you're dealing with a consumer, uh, a client that doesn't understand the film industry, right? Yeah. So typical in the narrative world, you've got your day rate, okay? And then you've got your kit, right? Your camera, all that stuff. But when you're dealing with a client uh, that isn't a huge brand that has a media department that understands the budget breakdown, what we do at Cinema Story is wrap everything together, right? right. So I don't want you to have to worry about um, you know, there are also, there are specialized things. If you want an FPV drone sure. shot, you want you know maybe all red cameras. Like that's going to obviously change rate, but we have right. basic kit rates wrapped into our um, just day rate exactly, and so it cleans it up. And so I'll say this as a producer: when I have uh, brought in a, a mixture of people, of uh, uh, freelancers outside of like our Cinema Story network. It's like, okay, well, tell me your rate, and I want to know everything. Like, I don't want any right. surprises because I'm I'm building the budget or managing right. the budget with the client. And then it's like, oh, well, you didn't say that you needed, you know, for me to to bring a camera. You just hired me as a DP, you know? Like, so just clarity in your communication um, is key. Uh, and then, uh, you know, if we're going to the question of how to increase your rate, yeah. right? So I think getting more reps in, yeah. right? Having that portfolio work to show, um, and the gear, uh, it plays an aspect as well, like your knowledge of the gear yeah. and your access to the gear. But I will say the number one thing about rate is the demand. Mm. Demand, mm. right? Because I don't care if you're like, well, my rate's 2500 uh, a day. Well, how busy are you? Right. Right? How many times do you get hired? So let the demand uh, determine your rate. Love it. But I also don't like that to fluctuate either, right? right? I also say your rate is your rate. Stick to it. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves is somebody, you know, I remember hiring a DP or interviewing some DPs for a project, and they're like, well, what's your budget? Yeah. And then I'll tell you that my rate. And right. I'm like, no, I like you tell me what your expertise, like I've told you the outline of the project and what's going to be needed. Gear aside, yeah. tell me what you need to be paid for your labor, for your expertise, for X many days. Hmm. And I couldn't get that from them. And I'm like, well, I can't build a bid and, and project and budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I pass. All right? So that's one of my biggest um, deterrences. And I love uh, I love DPs that can tell me like, hey, my rate's this. Um, and, and a lot of people also make, I wouldn't call a mistake, but it's like, but it's, so my rate is 1500 but I'm flexible. Right. And I always, when I hear that, I go, you don't believe that you're worth that rate. Yep. And so I would not use that term. Mm -mm. It drives me crazy. And I don't use it when, with clients. I don't say, hey, this project's going to cost you $3,500, but we're flexible on the price. Yeah. Because <laughs> what does that sound? It's like, well, okay, well, now our budget just went down by $50 an hour or whatever for you because that's all we got. And now that's money in my right. pocket. You know what I'm saying? Right. So if you... Yeah. uh Stick to your rate, create your rate. Um, but if you're not booking projects and you're not getting paid, and the, and you have to analyze is yeah. is the rate the deterrent or is it your work or is it your gear, right? Yeah. So if a rate is a hindrance for you getting hired, maybe try going down on your right. rate and make it. That's my new rate. This yeah. is what I'm presenting to everyone, not right. just oh it's to Shane and it's to Joey. It's different because that gets around in the network yeah. as well. You know, right? Yeah. So, so I think that's huge. Um, and so I would say reduce scope of work. Mm. Okay. The only thing that I'll negotiate on with a client is, oh, I don't have the $10,000 budget for this, you know, whatever project. 
well, here's what we can do. We can do a half day of production. You're going to have to lose all of these scenes. You're only getting, you know, now, right. now the project's changing to like a talking head interview with some B-roll. Right. But that's what I can do for you. I can't reduce rates to my team members. I can't reduce the rate of the edit and all the overhead. But I can reduce the scope of work to fit within your budget. Yeah. Right. So that's super good. So for maybe DPs, where does that come in? Hey, my rate is my rate. It's X, and that's a ten-hour day or a twelve-hour day or an eight-hour day, whatever it is. And you go, well, yeah, I can. I could still. I could do that, but it's now a five-hour day or an eight-hour day. Mm-hmm. So a way to negotiate. Reduce scope of work. Yeah. Don't ever discount your rate. One of the things that I'll add to that is whether you are a freelance filmmaker or or a company trying to charge a specific rate, your rate is directly tied to the value that you provide that production. Mm. And so whether you are, um, you know, a company charging a client what kind of value am I bringing to you with this final product? If I am a freelance, if I'm a freelancer, what value am I bringing to set with me, right? If I'm an editor, what kind of value am I editing or, or adding, adding to the project in post on this, on this assignment? And so uh, sometimes that doesn't even look like gear. Sometimes it's also experience, right? Mm. So like the experience that you provide the client, the experience that you provide uh, the crew around you, like what kind of ways can you add value to a production to where you are now a more expensive asset in the field? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I think even, um, you know, how we used to bid out some commercial projects, it's like, if you're doing multiple jobs, you're get my rate is different. Right. If I am producing and I'm running audio and I'm operating B cam, you know, like <laughs> I'm doing three people's jobs. And so that's another way, like you said, the experience and the value that you're bringing to that yeah. production. And so we started to build like, hey, like we need to compensate this person because they're doing multiple right. positions or they need, we need to meet somewhere in the middle right. um, to, to make sure that you know they're doing triple the work uh, of right. three positions. So I think uh, I think that's huge. The value uh, that you bring to and, and so finding out about the production, right? right? Is it a bunch of green uh, filmmakers? Right. And you're the most I know I've heard from you. <laughs> You've had a couple of projects yeah, 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 like yeah. that, and you're ended up putting on a workshop while you're making the film, and you yep. help the wheels not fall off. Right. You know. Um, sometimes you don't know that until after all of those decisions have been made, and you can't really yeah. get that on the back end. Uh, but it is something to find out as well. Uh, and the other thing on the rate too, I would say, man, something that I still have to learn, and, and I've learned with producing, is all of the work that goes on before your actual mm. rate day, yes. right? Don't forget to charge or or discuss scope of work, right? Yeah. It, you know, DP, are you creating a shot list? Are you building the gear uh, uh, via the budget, the gear list, the right. rentals? Um, or is the AC your first AC doing that, and you're just giving direction? Are you There's, driving to a rental house? Yeah, like, all, all of these so things much that to be considered into your your bottom line hourly rate. Once you've done invoicing, once you've done mm-hmm. all of your email correspondence, you did your production meeting, and you did your tech scout, and you did this, that, and the other. Like, it adds make up. sure that yeah, you're 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 losing an entire day plus uh, just in those few things that I mentioned, and there's more that is added on top of that, and so. Uh, just going back to what you said, like defining the scope of the work and the parameters and what all your rate includes. Um, and then making sure that when you show up, like 
you are you are giving that production excellence. You know what I mean? Mm. Like there's so super many, important, yeah. super important. There's been so many times because nobody wants what is it? The buyer beware. The the buyer um, uh, when you when you regret your purchase. What is that? Called? Buyer's remorse. Remorse. Yeah. Right? And so yeah, when you're how many on, times have we hired a contractor and it's like gosh. Dang it. Like, yeah, when you're yeah. on, you got to be on, right? Yeah. And so you, and that's that excellent and that's success of, uh, and you better know what you're doing too. Right. So I would say that too, like you, your experience level, even your confidence in yourself. Yeah. I, and I guess going back to the original, like value to maybe a filmmaker who's considering right. about changing their rates is like, you need to be confident in your rate and yeah. the value that you bring. Bro, 100%. That's one of the things that when I, like earlier on, I was talking with people who were coming up the ladder and they were like, so so, so be real with me. What are you charging for a day rate? Like, I just need to know. So like, I don't go too high or too low or whatever. And I told them a number. And then very soon after that, I see these new newbie up and comers trying to charge the same thing that I'm charging when they have not climbed to that point yet. And that's no shade, but like when I first started out in the industry, it was like, hey bro, 20 bucks an hour. Like I'm I'm building my portfolio. I have no body of work to to give you right now. I have been on like three sets in my life. <laughs> like I am a $20 an hour contractor because I have a gear or like the camera and I know how to hit record. And as you grow, you know, like your rate can grow with the quality that you provide and the amount of knowledge that you provide. And so like, I, I, there's this one little, um, uh, I think I saw it like on like Facebook or Instagram or something. And like this contractor is like, yeah, it's going to be like a thousand dollars for me to come and fix your door. And he shows up and he does it in like five minutes. And they're like, what? That's a thousand dollars. Like it only took you five minutes. And they're like, no, but you're paying me for the 10 years that it took for me to learn how to fix it in five minutes. Right. Preach. And so for us, like the value that we are bringing, like you're paying for years of experience and knowledge and wisdom and how to fix a tech issue immediately so that it's not costing production, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in downtime because you didn't know the tech on how to fix it, right? So you having that experience level to where you can make sure that something operates smoothly, efficiently, effectively, and you got your reps in, like that is directly tied to the value that you bring and, and your rate. Yeah, and I and I say the even the confidence thing. That's that's where I'm still growing. Like my director rate has slowly increased over the years, where right. my DP rate was already where I wanted it to be, mm-hmm. and I kind of like capped out and was like, I'm kind of moving in directing. And then it was like, I got to start over. Like I don't have the reps on directing, right? You know, at the time, and I've slowly gotten some of those reps in, but not in all areas. And so, you know, my director's rate uh, is lower than, you know, another director's rate, and that's okay. Then that's where, like, you need to know the the industry standards and market standards so you can position yourself well within it, but don't price yourself out of it, right? Based on your experience level and your confidence in it, right? And as I grow in knowing how to execute everything that I want to do as a director on set, my rate will reflect that. And I will also let the demand of the market reflect that. So when I go, I think we go back to our our company, we were getting, we were doing so many weddings that we realized we're like, we we haven't had a weekend off in like three years. And so it's like, let's raise the price and do less weddings, but still make the same income. Because obviously the quality and the value is there, and we're in such high demand that we yeah. can't do them all. So you're able to raise the value 
and book less yeah. projects um, and still make somewhere in the same ballpark. Yeah. And now you're getting additional time back that right. you can utilize in other ways. And that was one of the big, like, uh, I guess, like KPIs, if you will, of when to raise rates is when you're feeling yourself stretched by how many bookings you're getting, then it's time to raise your rate. Like that is an immediate like factor. If I am constantly like buried, can't like keep up with personal life stuff and I'm, I'm just constantly taking on more work, then it's time to raise your rate because the demand for you as a contractor is so high or even as a company, right? If you own a production company, and you are you can't keep up with, like with hiring people or or contractors like you need to raise your rate so that you can climb to the next level and then fill up that next uh, you know fill up ba- ba- just climbing to that next level in in your career. The other thing that I also want to add about the rates conversation is that if you are charging too low on the on the reverse side of, of advancing, like that is speaking to the amount of value that you're providing, right? And so if you're if you're trying to say, hey, like, you know, my day rate is 150 bucks or whatever, I'll come out and I'll do whatever you want. And it's like that is you speaking to the quality of work that you're going to be providing to the client. And so just playing devil's advocate for a second, you want to make sure that you're charging appropriately for the value and that you're not speaking down on your own work by trying to undercut the competition. I heard this on another podcast that I love, um, how I made this uh, with Guy Raz, and he was interviewing, and I can't remember the entrepreneur. I should really know this person. A lot of people say this, but uh, price is is the number one perceived value of quality, Mm. right? So if if you look at, you know, uh, a Lexus and a Honda, right? You know, the Lexus has big dollars behind it, and you perceive it as higher quality. But if and, and that can be true, but when you break right. down the parts, they're both cars. They both get you to where you need to go. Yep. Right. And so, you know, to your point, um, there are, there is a time to charge that small amount. Like you said, I don't have the reps. I don't have the portfolio. Right. I don't have the gear. I want to learn. I want to add value and build that. Right. That's when you need to be charging those lower rates. And then mm-hmm. once you do have that, that's where I'm saying don't be flexible on your, don't say, well, yeah, I guess I could do that project for you for 500. Cause now right. it's the name your own price game, right? Yeah. I don't let clients play that. And I don't expect uh, freelancers to, to, to make them uh, right. play that game either. Um, however, you could price yourself out of my budget really yep. quickly. So yep. you do have to kind of consider, and I get that's where the what's your budget question right. is because they don't want to say a rate and then lock themselves out. But what, yeah. what you're doing to me as a producer is you're putting me in a spot where I can't even include you in this project bid yep. that is either uh, built or closed. And, and it's funny because I think some DPs or f- other positions think like, well, if I, you know, there might be more money there that I can make, yeah. right? And that's how it comes across. It might not be that what they're trying to make right. it perceive, but I'm like, I've had DPs undershoot, and I'm like, and I, I say, okay, well, that's great, that's your rate, but we're gonna actually pay you X, which mm-hmm. is more, because here's what the scope of work is, and and here's what I have in the budget to pay you. Yeah, like I try to be a fair contractor, uh, and and. And so I don't, you know, yeah, tell me what your rate is, but this is what I have to pay this position. And, you know, can we make this work? And again, I don't want you to come down from your rate. It's already going to exclude you, right? Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things being a filmmaker is you will lose jobs because of your rate. 
That is part of the yep. game. And you have to get okay with that. Um, you know, when you're getting started, it's really easy to be like, ah, I just want to work. I just want to work. Like, I'll, I'll do it for free, bro. But you can't let them know that. <laughs> um, but as you continue to grow and advance in your career, you will lose jobs because you're too expensive. And that is okay. Uh, because a lot of times you are moving yourself into a new bracket of clientele where, you know. You will also lose jobs because you're too cheap. You That's will. the other per- yes. perceived uh, uh, part of quality, right? Right. And so, uh, and that's great, man. You got to just be set up your expectations for f- failure in yeah. that. And it's not failure. It's it they weren't your client or right. it wasn't your job that you needed right. to do. And that's what I, I tell people all the time when people get mad about, oh, yeah. why are these kids coming in and charging $800 for this video project? And it should have been, my, I'm like, that's not my client no. that they took. No. I've never, I'm not doing the, I did those projects way totally. back in the day. That's how you got your reps in and built a portfolio. And so I'd be mad at that kid if they stayed at $800 and, they started and they and they were making as great of work right. as we were, and I'd go, man, I guess the, it is a race to the bottom because yeah. we've been overcharging, right? And it, I know the scale of the business, right? It costs way more than that. It's not sustainable at that, right? Right, but that kid has to get those reps in in that portfolio, yep. so I respect that. I'm yeah. not mad, and I'm, it's not my client that they are right. taking. Yeah, and it's like if you look at any other line of like a business, right, like going back to the car piece, right? Like there are so many different price points and quality points of cars and products. And, you know, filmmakers are kind of like different cars. You know what I mean? Like there's different qualities, there's different um, quirks, there's different features with these different filmmakers. And it's like, people are shopping around. Like some people want other things uh, or like maybe price is the biggest thing. Maybe quality is the biggest thing, you know? Whatever it is, maybe the camera. Like may, you may not have the right camera to just be a compatible fit with what another studio has. Maybe that simple. Joey, if you were a car, you'd be a Land Rover. Ooh, you're, I like that. You're beautiful. Can I be like the new and Defender? You're, and you're, <laughs> oh, you want to change your car? <laughs> and were, your, yeah. And your uh, utility. You know what I mean? And not, and I'm not saying you're boxy because Land Rovers are a little boxy. I'm a little boxy, but you're you're worth the price. Thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. What car do you think you would be if you were uh, <sighs> Honda Civic? I'm gonna get you where you you're need a to Civic. Go. Uh, no, you're, I don't. you're a Rav Four, baby. Oh, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> a little uh, uh, utility, cheap, uh, good on gas mileage, right? <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say cheap, affordable. What filmmaking car are you? Leave it in the comments. comments. Yeah. Uh, what filmmaking car do you think Joey is Ooh. and what filmmaking car Shane is Ooh. and then your car? Tesla, baby. Tesla. Yeah. Oh. Running mm-hmm. on electric. That's a weird uh, analogy. Yeah, that, I don't know how that one's going to work. But it just I, don't, I, I feel like it I works. think we'll get zero comments. Yeah. So move. Any, anything else you want to add on rate really quick? I was rates, gonna, rate's such a big thing, but I would say let the demand, uh, yeah. let the demand, like you said, like we both said, determine your rate. That's when yeah. you're going to know you need to raise it. I think there is a ceiling, though. Like I think at some point, because it depends. If you're talking right. as a freelancer or as a production company, you got to figure out, oh, do I just need more people or do I need to increase the rate? Right. right. So there is a ceiling, and then uh, you know, I think we, I think we covered it, man. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So jumping into like quality, right? Like that's a really easy one to just be like, oh yeah, like do more reps, get better. But like, talk to me a little bit about like how people can advance 
from a quality standpoint in your opinion like not like non-generic ones um what are some what are some ways that people can advance hmm that's a good question i think non-generic um you know putting in the reps um i know that's pretty generic but practice 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 right yeah. and we we said that on the beginning in the filmmaker career yeah um i want to say i want to let's get specific i want to say spec shoots I want to say spec shoots. I want to say passion projects mm. because when you take the time to invest in something that you're passionate about that you're not getting paid for, yep. you'll be surprised what you'll learn mm. and what you'll create. Yeah, you you wind up creating outside of the sandbox that you normally play in a lot when you do your passion projects because you don't get to do those type of work, you know, those type of jobs yeah. very often. Um, man, one of the other things that I would add to that is – being like associating yourself with people that are moving differently than you, um, even even not necessarily even better than you, right? Because that's an easy one. It's like, oh, if someone's working, um, if someone is like better than me at my craft, like obviously being around them is going to help me grow. But something that I have found that even just working with more groups of people, even if they are not as good as me, has shown me ways on – things not to do that have been hugely beneficial to carry into my career, right? So like diversifying the amount of people that you're working with has helped me increase the quality output that I am giving my clients and my team. Learn from the school of hard knocks school of hard others. Knocks. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. The, that's the best way to take that yeah. class. Yeah. And I'll say too, like there is like when, when working with people who are, are, further along than you, you can be aggressive and be on the offense and go after like, hey, shoot him a DM. Like, I want to work with you. Your work is dope. And I think that's fire. But when you find yourself um, like on a set with somebody who is going to be a great networking opportunity, like that's a moment to capitalize. And, and not only that, but a lot of times, some of the people that I have met on different productions have been the catalyst to get me to a bigger job or, you know, to introduce me to this producer or to this director. And one of the, you know, I, I may have told this story before, but I got um, the very first Netflix set that I ever got onto was through shooting somebody a DM uh, and just being like, hey, dude. I'm happy to be extra hands on set. Like I was already more than qualified to do some of these jobs, but I was like, hey, you know, with 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 this specific person, I'm happy to be free extra hands just to get an opportunity to work with you. Network, yeah. Networking. And and I wound up meeting a producer who got me onto another Netflix set, who got me like a paying job and and like it's this snowball effect of, you know, making the most out of an opportunity uh, and, and surrounding yourself with other people or reaching for other people who you can grow from and learn from and get more jobs from and bigger productions and stuff like that. I got another specific uh, way to upgrade yeah. your quality and it's pay, pay to play, mm. pay to take a course, a class. Self-invest. Yes, because it puts more skin in the game for you. Yeah. We we talk about this, you know, all the time. The University of YouTube, right? Yeah. Honestly, everything's out there. You can go learn it. Right. But when you pay and invest, and sometimes it's even a parameter of like, there's a lot of virtual stuff. But when it's like, oh, I actually have to show up and yeah. do these hours, they make you do those reps. Yep. Right. And so that is a way to increase your quality. And it's anybody like 
I would love yeah. to go take a producing or directing or a edit, even though I don't edit anymore, it'd be cool to take that class to to one repractice those right. reps, but then also learn more that I didn't know that I can now apply as a That's producer. Good. Right. That's good. Yeah. Anytime I've ever paid for something, I'm like, forget all of this other stuff. Like I have to need like like focus in on what I've been putting off because so easy like so or so often we know what we need to work on to climb to that next level. But it's not always fun to like deal with the journey of learning it, right? Like when you're getting started and like, you know, oh, like we added lights, we did this, like this is my first HMI, like whatever it is, like some of those things are really fun, like leveling up. But if you're learning uh, like a new software, right? Or if you're learning uh, After Effects for the first time, like you're, you're animating stuff, like animation is this whole other world. Um, you know, Blender, like you got Cinema 4D, Nuke, all these like crazy programs. Um, like FPV was one, right? Like I'd been wanting to learn how to be an FPV pilot for so long, but it was just so easy to put off that I just, I didn't. But when you actually take the time and be like, all right, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to put some skin in the game. Then it forces you or pushes you to want to learn and grow to reach that next level. Yeah, absolutely. So spec shoots, passion projects, like put in the reps in ways that aren't paid because, you know, I think the quality can just increase and you're going to grow as a filmmaker. Networking is so huge, like you mentioned, man. I think that's, you can learn so much from there. One. Go ahead. And, and and I would say this one is kind of generic that I'd add, uh, but man, it just I, a big thing that I see and we see on Instagram and yeah. we, I mean, we're all guilty of doing it, but everybody copies everybody else, right? And, and there's the saying that everything is copy, mm-hmm. but being different and unique in the marketplace. So I would oh say study everybody else, study the, you know, what they're doing right and, but be the trendsetter. Right. Figure out how, and when you find figure that out, tell us us how to do it too. Because <laughs> it it is hard. It's a it, everyone yeah. struggles with that, but find your uniqueness, and that happens as you progress in your right. film career, and you find ways that aren't 100 knockoff copies or even 30 percent right. knockoff copies. Be the trendsetter. Try something new. Do it with purpose. Right. Like right. I love uh, 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 Mr. Robot. Right. Mm-hmm. The the TV. Uh, show. So good. And like it, they break so many of the rules in cinematography and you're uncomfortable. And then you're like, this is beautiful. And I understand why you're doing this because this is making me feel a way like the actor is feeling in this moment. And yes. you're making me, yes. uh, the viewer, experience the discomfort this character is having. Well, and wh- like to your point, like whether. Like, like it's niching down, right? Yeah. Like you're getting really granular on what you do better than anything else. Um, and whether that is a like post-production stylistic design, like when you go to someone's Instagram or, or, or see their portfolio and they're real, it's like they have a very def- like definitive style that makes this person unique or makes me want to work with this person for this specific type of project. But even like from like a general sense of like the the craft that you do, when you niche down in your craft, like if you want to be, if you want to advance in the career as a DP, like start only doing DP work and you will wind up building your portfolio and building, 
your clientele and, and the connections that you have. And, and as you work towards one specific thing, you will get further in that one specific thing. 100% true. And it's, it's sometimes hard to do too, right? Like right. personal story, uh, when I wanted to move more into just directing and producing, I took a big money hit because yeah. I was making a lot of money being a DP or a camera op or a camera team gimbal op. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, my focus is directing, producing, yeah. running the business even. And I stopped taking those jobs yeah. and I started giving those jobs to other filmmakers in our company and our team. And it was like this painful yeah. like thing where I was like, but I'm losing so much money. Right. But now I've developed my director portfolio and I'm able to up my rate, right? Like we were talking about the rates yeah. thing. And and now I'm I want to be known as the director producer, and that's in, within the company yeah. and even with our clients. That's how they look at me now, and not just a DP right. or a gimbal op, um, because I niche down. Right. And so same thing for you. You know, your DP. Like, will you go PA on a set? You know, uh, maybe for that networking like experience, right. right? You know, will, will, would I do something different? Yes. It like yeah. the answer is yes, maybe. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but I think it's so important to. And I think, you know, building that personal brand yeah. around Joey the DP. Yep. Well, and I always, um, like like nobody ever talks about the growing pains associated with growing in your craft, right? Mm. And so like as you continue to get better, uh, like mo' money, mo' problems, right? Like mm. there, there are things that as you grow – uh, become new problems that you have to deal with, whether you're moving out of uh, being a, a camera person to a d- director, producer, you know, person, and that's like your new branding and whatnot, um, whether your rate is growing and now you're in a new tax bracket and you're like, oh, crap, I got to figure out taxes. Like, mm. whatever you're doing to grow, like, there is the the give and take, push and pull, and, like, you will, you'll go through those growing pains. Um but it's a it's a necessary part of the process and getting uncomfortable with um, taking big risks, right? To mm. to get to that next level. Growth is painful. Change is painful, but it's for a purpose, right? right. I have a nine month year old uh, daughter, and shout I shout out Kaya, I, and I see that like it, you see it in real time and really quickly, like her teething. Yeah, and it's so painful for her, and just throws fits and crying and. But you're like, but you're gonna get through this, and then you're gonna have yeah. some chompers, and you can eat some real food. You right. know what I mean? And it's that's the thing. Like you're gonna go through some painful times. Yeah. Um. But the like this is encouragement. Like I've gone through that. Like I've made thirty to forty to fifty thousand dollars. Maybe not fifty, but thirty thousand dollars less in a year because I had a change in direction, right. whether it's company or or uh, career, or even the the personal branding, right? right? And, but on the other side of that, it gets better. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so niching down eventually, you know, the, the podcast, the beginning as a yeah. filmmaker, you need to experience a little bit of everything and find sure. your sweet spot. Sure. But now, uh, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, it's time to niche down. That's right. One other thing that I want to talk about that, um, sometimes isn't a popular topic, uh, is the topic of luck. And there is an element of luck that nobody wants to talk about in terms of advancing in your career that certain people 
are going to have more of it and it is going to come easier to those people than other people. But what I will say, so like for instance, like I got lucky that I met you when I did at that early, that early on in my career. And somebody may not have met a person who really made a big impact on their life uh, as early into the game as say I did. But there are things that you can do to make your own luck and to influence the luck that you have, right? Like someone who wakes up super early every morning is going to have a much easier time finding luck than somebody who won't. And so uh, someone who is constantly studying is going or, or, or constantly networking is going to have more luck meeting someone who is going to help them advance in their career or, you know, make an impact on them. And so I think there is an element of luck to it, but I think that you can influence the amount of luck that you have in your career by showing up and and doing what you know you're supposed to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, luck, fate, God, yeah, uh, chance, right? Yeah. Whatever, whatever you believe in the, uh, it is about putting yourself in those rooms and putting in, uh, you know, networking, yeah. like, uh, I think to your point, you can't sit in the closet waiting for something right. lucky to happen. You yeah. got to get out there and put your yeah. uh, self in positions right. where something can become of the situation. Yep. I talk about preparation, meeting opportunity a lot. And if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Like when some, when an opportunity comes to you, like if you are ready for that opportunity, you will be able to capitalize on it. And, and I'll be honest, like there have been moments when that hasn't happened to me, right? So like I, th there was a feature film that I lost the opportunity to DP on because I hadn't finished my DP reel at the time. Mm. And it was like, I got passed up because I was not prepared at that time for a feature film role. Because who wants to hire a DP without a DP reel, even if they're qualified to do it at that point in time, you know. And, I, to, and to clarify, you had the you had the reps, right. you had the footage. Right. I had the footage, That's I just had to put the reel man. together. Yeah. And it's like, I lost out on an opportunity where I could have made my own luck because I had not showed up prepared. Mm. And it's like, I'm sitting on real footage that I didn't put together. And thus I missed a, a feature film because I, I chose not to make my own luck in that moment. You yeah. know what I mean? Great, great example, man. Yeah. yeah. Man, this has been great. Um, are there any other things that you want to leave our listeners with before we wrap out of here? I know we talked a lot about, like, obviously, rate is a big one where you can advance. Quality is a big one where you can advance. There's networking. There's a ton of other things. But Yeah, I, there, you know, it really depends on where you are in your career, right. right? I mean, if you're still starting out, there's internships. There's, you know, right. doing the free reps or the reduced reps. Um, you know, if you're established, but you're trying to cross over into the narrative world, right? right. Like being ready and being in the right rooms, uh, networking. There's just so much. And I know that you and I are still learning totally. both in the commercial and the narrative space, yeah. even more so in the narrative space that we're, that we're crossing into. And so, uh, man, I just wish everybody uh, the best yeah. in their pursuit. And I will say it's hard work, especially being totally. a freelancer. You, you have to be so... Um, self-motivated, yeah. right? And being ready. Like, you know, back to your example of like that reel, it's like, well, dang, if I just would have put right. time into that and had to, like being ready for that, yeah. right? And so that was one thing I want to end with on my side is yeah. positioning yourself in that position bef 
before you're even there. And I think I've talked yeah. about this on another podcast or uh, it wasn't even the Rough Cut Club, but it is, you know, I wanted to be a filmmaker and I started calling myself a filmmaker yeah. before I was. Now, not I'm not saying go out and lie to somebody and say, I'm a DP. And they're like, okay, what have you DP? And you're like, uh, you know, but you have to start believing in yourself. Right. And uh, and then putting things around you that will put you into that position, right. right? So get those reps in, but believe in yourself and start positioning and branding yourself yeah. as that DP as soon as you can. Love it. And and you will attract uh, the opportunities. You'll attract that luck, or like I believe in God right. has a big uh, thing to play in it as well. Absolutely. Um, and so I'll sign off on this. Man, my own life, I've had a lot of ups and downs and like, you know, faith and religion isn't for everybody, but that has gotten me through advancing in the film career. And I have That's to big, shout man. that out because when I chose to go do an international documentary for $0 yeah. over making $90,000 in like 2012, that was a ton, it's still a ton of money. Bag. It's a bag. I'd love to make that. So it was the security too of yeah. working in corporate America. And I chose that and I had to sit and pray mm. and ask for peace. And, and I don't think God's going to tell you one way or the other. Sometimes yeah. it's free will is a beautiful thing. But, you know, me personally, my faith has played a huge role in advancing in that film career and having that belief system that there is a higher purpose in design and trying to find that. Yeah. As well, and then being in the right room and yeah. getting lucky as yeah. well for some. We've had some great opportunities yeah. and situations where we just were in the right spot at the right. right time, and we were prepared. Yeah, and and to your point, man, there are like when you are on your journey and your pursuit of climbing to that next level, there are seasons and stages that you will go through. And sometimes those seasons take longer to get through than others. And sometimes you're stuck on certain stages for longer than you want to. But I promise you, there is not a filmmaker out there that hasn't like been frustrated with a plateau in their career. And it's like, they're fighting, they're trying to get to the next point. And it's like, the jobs aren't coming in. You see quality passing you up and it's, you know, it's competition, man. And and when I look at advancing in the film industry, I look at it like a pyramid, right? When you are on the bottom starting out, there's a ton of other beginners, but it is really easy to like climb to level number two, hmm. right? And, and, and the competition is not, you know, as bad as it is getting to level three. Like the higher up the pyramid you go, the less competition there is, but the more fierce it is. Mm. And it's harder to climb to level 100 than it is to climb to level two. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, if you're trying to knock out the top 1%, it's gonna be a much more difficult battle than it is to knock out the 99. You know what I'm saying? Like fighting for that 1% spot just in like extremes is way more difficult than climbing to level two. That's beautiful. I'm stealing this pyramid thing. <laughs> I'll save my car to spaceship uh, uh, journey uh, yeah. analogy for later, but that is absolutely gold. Yeah. And, and I agree, man. Yeah, it's easier to have hyper growth at the beginning than it is later on. And so the further you get into your career, the more I want to encourage you that it is going to get harder, but those who are willing to fight to advance to that next level are the ones that are going to make it. That's how you know you're good is when it's hard. That's it. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, hey, this has been a great episode of the Rough Cut Club. Um, man, I freaking enjoyed doing this, bro. This is great. 
This is great, man. It's good to be in the podcast. And, in you know, booth. I think we learn as much, I hope, as our, the audience, yeah. you know, listeners. And I would love uh, feedback, you know. Yeah. We, we would love to know, you know, comment on the YouTube channel. Give us a review on the uh, podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. And DM us directly. I would love to know what we people— want to connect with what you What topic should we cover next, yes. right? We've got a bunch coming up. We've got a bunch of interviews coming up. I'm super excited to start interviewing more people in the film industry mm-hmm. and hearing their stories so that all of us can continue advancing in the film career. And if you are not connected with us already, get connected at the Rough Cut Club uh, on all social platforms. Uh, Leave a review in the podcast section so that we can continue to reach larger audiences. And with that being said, that is a wrap on this episode of the Rough Cut Club.